That beautiful rendition of Move On was sung by Laura Lizett and the Reverend Keith Arnold, the Minister of Music at Jefferson Unitarian Church in Golden, Colorado, where I just finished my internship. That song is from the musical Sunday in the Park with George. In the musical, in the story, George is an artist, and he's struggling to be relevant, and he's struggling to be known. He laments that his commitments to perfecting his painting have failed, and he realizes that he's paid a price for his pursuit of perfection. He sees a vision, it's a musical, you can see a vision, of Dot, his old girlfriend, and that part of Dot was sung for us by Laura Lizett. Dot encourages him to value the choices he made and the fact that he made them. Dot reminds him that there's value in being committed, even if it wasn't ultimately successful. She sings, the choice may have been mistaken, the choosing was not. Today, I'm exploring commitments. I'm thinking about how we make choices what decisions we make, how we try to avoid decisions, and the possibilities that emerge when we're willing to go ahead and make a commitment. Commitments are really where the good stuff happens. They're why we invest in a musical instrument and some lessons. That's a commitment. And then we practice every day. They're why we put our money and our time into our education or our children's education. We know the value of commitment. We know when we adopt a new puppy, instead of just visiting puppies at the shelter, that that commitment has value. During the pandemic, a record number of peoples did just that. They made the commitment to a new pet. And we're hoping that most of them realize that they may have just made a 10 or 15 year commitment to be responsible for that little life. Many of us know that the commitment of adopting a pet probably means cleaning up some messes, maybe some chewed shoes, spending money a little bit or a lot. And it probably means losing some sleep, being up in the night with a new animal. But we, most of us, take that risk, and we are willing to make those sacrifices. And we do it because we want to reap the benefits of deepening our relationship with that one animal. We do it even if we've done it before and we know what's coming. We know that the commitment that we have to that relationship will allow us to really bond, and that is where the rewards lie. I remember reading an article once where a psychologist pointed out that the parent who does the most child care usually has the deepest bond with the children. It's that day and night, year after year commitment that allows children to trust and love their primary caregiver the most. And this doesn't just apply to relationships with children and animals. Commitment to our education, our work, our partners, our art is how we really reap the benefits. And we yearn for the spoils of commitment. This is proven by all the divorced and widowed people who get remarried. People know who know how difficult marriage and loss can be and yet are willing to risk it again. Many people choose to have a second or third child even after they know how hard parenting can be. 
Sometimes we take on things that we know will not be easy. We know they won't always be smooth sailing and sometimes downright dreadful. But without commitment, we drift untethered. We never really get to reach that proficiency or that deeper level of understanding or learning or love. Sometimes us humans, we shy away from commitments because we're feeling precious about our time or our resources. Other times we're afraid to invest in something, to commit to something, because we know it might not succeed. We think, well, if that's not good enough, then why do it? Our culture embraces perfectionism, and perfectionism can really hold us back from taking risks and growing our hearts. For example, we might hesitate to join a church because we know that putting ourselves out there means we risk running up against difficult, challenging people and situations. It's likely that committing to a faith community is sometimes going to hurt. It's going to push our buttons. There may be conflicts and hurt feelings and frustrations. People will probably misbehave. They do it all the time, or should I say we do it all the time. And in the context of Unitarian Universalist churches, ours is a free faith. We get to determine our level of commitment to our faith community. But if we let our aversion to discomfort or our pursuit of perfection keep us on the sidelines, what do we miss? If we don't invest ourselves, we miss opportunities to be shaped and changed by community. In our modern culture, we have a propensity for ghosting each other. It's become socially acceptable to shy away from conflict or discomfort and just to disappear. We know, now I know that sometimes it's appropriate and it's best to leave unhealthy situations. And each of us gets to determine that line between commitment and self-preservation. But I also know that if we don't pick something and give it some dedication and some tolerance, some willingness to make sacrifices, then we're not really in the game. We don't really get to reap those benefits that come from really giving ourselves to something. We can spend our time instead endlessly searching and missing opportunities to go deeper. When I was a young adult, I felt immense pressure to pick the perfect career path. I kept changing my major, trying one thing after another, and then I even moved to different places in search of the best vocation and the perfect project to put my whole life towards. That's a lot of pressure, but I'd been raised to think that by the time I was a senior in high school, I should know which career was going to carry me through my adult years, be fulfilling, be good for the world, and be the best use of my talents. And of course, um, prosperous as well, because that's the value that we're taught. It took me the next 30 years, and it was a twisting, winding road, but now I'm 50. 
and now I have found I have landed in something that I've made a commitment to. But it took me all those years. But now I know. Well, that caused me so much distress. That that was my path. It led me here. And therefore, it was the right path. How can we expect to look ahead and pick the perfect path? Especially if you're a young person and you're still learning who you are. We all make our best guesses, but sometimes we pursue the wrong partner, the wrong degree, or like George in the song, we just don't choose the right priorities. And we might think that our lack of clarity means that something's wrong with us. But that's not true. It's okay to be unclear. We don't know the final outcome, and we don't know all the answers. That's the adventure. If we get too uptight about finding our path, if we resist making commitments, we end up drifting, unanchored, with all the freedom in the world, and yet frustrated, unable to fully explore and use our gifts and get deeper with our relationships or with our skills with our potential. Paulo Coelho wrote a book called Brida, and the main character in Brida is a young Irish woman who expresses her fear of committing herself. Coelho writes, she wanted to follow all possible paths and so ended up following none. Coelho talks about two attitudes that we can choose from in approaching commitment. He says we can be builders or we can be planters. He writes, builders might take years over their tasks, but one day they finish what they're doing and find they're hemmed in by their own walls. Life loses its meaning when the building stops. For those who plant, the planters, he says, they endure storms and all the many vicissitudes of the seasons, and they rarely rest. But, unlike a building, a garden never stops growing. And while it requires the gardener's constant attention, it allows for the life of the gardener to be a great adventure. He says, Gardeners always recognize one another because they know that in the history of each plant lies the growth of the whole world. Whether we are builders or gardeners, we might make the same choices, but the difference will lie in our willingness to be open to the outcome, to be flexible, to be willing to relax into choosing the next best thing. If we think like a builder and we try to surmise the perfect thing to build, the end all, the thing that will make us happy, well, it's no wonder we get frustrated. That's an impossible task. Life grows like a garden. It's our choice whether we see it as a builder or a gardener. If we choose to approach our work as a garden, we leave ourselves open to all the bugs and the hail, and the challenges of unpredictable living things. We come in knowing that we will never be finished. 
we know that gardening goes in cycles, that we may have an abundant harvest or not, but we do our best and we find value and hope in the endless story that we are contributing to. We must remember that when we commit to something and we accomplish our goal, it's likely that the accomplishment itself is not going to be a source of happiness. It is our willingness to show up and put our hearts into our work that determines our contentment and our satisfaction. I think about all the people with degrees they don't use. Those who are builders lament the wasted time and money, while the gardeners appreciate the discipline and the determination it got to get their unused degree. The value is in the learning and the experiment, experience of fulfilling their commitment to earning a degree. It helps that gardeners don't stop living their lives while they're fulfilling their commitments. They remember the words of John Lennon, that life is what happens to you while you're busy making other plans. It's a great quote because it counters perfectionism, the obsession we have with big plans and big accomplishments, and it reminds us that life is always just sitting there in the corner waiting for us to notice it. That's the gardener attitude, to stay present, to stay open, to stay willing. It builds our resilience. Just pick something. Go with the flow. Have faith that this is the next best thing, that you are on your perfect path even when it's winding and it has fits and starts. It's all learning, and it's all part of the divine mystery that we hold at the center of our UU faith. Like our little stick figure in their story today, it is okay to do things, and it's okay to not be the best at them. It is okay to try lots of things. It's even okay to make a commitment and then find out we need to change course. It's okay to change. It's okay not to know exactly what to build or to find that we built the wrong thing. But what's not okay is not trying, staying uncommitted. Our faith, I mean, we can do that, but we won't reap the benefits that come with picking something and sticking with it and being open to the challenges. Our faith doesn't mandate that we make the perfect choices and have perfect outcomes, but it does ask us to do the next best thing, to keep moving forward, learning, growing. As Paul Racer reminded us in our reading today, our liberal theology asks us to, quote, take commitments seriously, but not blindly, unquote. It's a tall order to be accountable, but not rigid, to be willing to weather the storms and also to continually revisit our commitments. This is our spiritual journey to find our core compass and the consciousness that helps us to navigate our choices. 
Kenny Rogers said it well when he said, No wind to hold them, no wind to fold them, no wind to walk away, and no wind to run. I think that is actually the bottom line about commitment. It's about thoughtful and conscious discernment. It's about putting yourself in the game, but then also being willing to notice when it's time to change. We are called to move around our gardens with a lightness, to cultivate resilience and continue our never-ending and joyful work of building community, caring for others, hanging in there through the storms and the hard times. Today, as we approach the first days of summer, we are hoping that this is the beginning of the end of the global pandemic. As we move into another time of change, may we cultivate our wise discernment, our tenacity, our resilience. May we remember that we are loved and that we are enough. May we have faith and courage in the lightness of being to allow us to move on. Blessed be, and may it be so.